0: What's this Arb League thing all about? I heard it's this new type of educational programming that's taking over the globe, where they talk with real arborists, artisans, and scientists about their journey and what we can learn from them to better understand and appreciate trees and our surroundings. This is our dialogue with trees. This is the Arb League. Hey, y'all. Ryan Rastock here. Welcome to the Arb League. So... What's this Arb League thing all about? The best way to describe it is that it's a new type of educational programming where we talk with real arborists, artisans, scientists about their journey and what we can learn from them to better understand and appreciate trees in our surroundings. And I'm very excited to present to you today the intro episode of our podcast about trees and tree-related things this is a spin-off of the live version that we call Tree Talks that we've been doing for several years where we get several people together to present and talk about trees in a fun, laid-back, engaging environment. Folks have seemed to be really receptive and enjoy this. We've had, you know, numbers in attendance from 75 to 150 or so people and get a lot of good feedback. It's a real fun time, a good way to build community. And so, we really wanted to extend that to share our passion for trees with many more people because we really enjoy doing it so for those of you who haven't had the opportunity to attend one of the live tree talks I highly recommend it because it is a fun time and it's a place where we convene we talk about tree related topics arboriculture forestry logging forest ecology forest entomology plant pathology woodworking instrument making trees in the arts trees in literature and a whole lot more and this is a place where we can all get together to bolster our appreciation of trees in their various contributions to our lives. So we really hope through this mechanism and the live series to provide a space for people to engage with trees and foster a better appreciation for them. This is our dialogue with trees. This is the Arb League. So all that being said, it really begs the question, why are you doing this, Rastock? Why are you spending your time talking about trees? I mean, that's a good question, right? But for me personally, trees have been a major part of my life for most of my life, personally and professionally. And amid the various credentials that I won't get into because it's a little bit too stuffy, I love trees. And I want to spend my energy building awareness about those wonderful cathedrals of the sky. And so I'm going to walk through a kind of my journey, the beginning journey, or the origins of when I began to kind of recognize this passion for trees and then hopefully move on and in future episodes expand upon that myself. But we're also going to be going through this process with our guests where we go through kind of the origins of how how and when they recognized trees were something, you know, maybe they were interested in. And then after making that recognition, what was the process that – they went through to cultivate expertise or further their understanding of that craft in whichever thing they're doing with trees. And then finally, some conclusions or technical takeaways that they want to share with people out there uh, to get the word out. So that's what this is. And so for me, this is kind of my origins uh, episode, I suppose, of how I recognized I wanted to do something with trees and spend my life doing this. And so my journey into trees started as a young kid. I was practically a feral child. I rarely wore shoes and rarely wore really much clothing at all. When I was growing up, it wasn't uncommon for parents to say, you know, go outside and try to be back before the streetlights come on. You know, it was a different era, I suppose. We were all just kind of running around all day having a good time outside. And in those younger years, I didn't spend much time with younger kids or other kids for that matter i i would dart right out the door in the morning across the street barely looking both ways and into the woods and these woods weren't pristine by any stretch of the imagination but they were a haven for me as i was growing up they kind of flanked a golf course and in the years pretty much all of those trees since then have been bulldozed for houses and other such things. So it's kind of sad. But back to the beginning. So I w- could hardly wait to get out each morning to dart out the door across the street past my grandparents' house and into the woods. <laughs> it kind of sounds like Little Red Riding Hood uh, how I said that, but but it's true. You know, I'd go out there past my grandparents' house and I would just go out there and I would search for frogs and snakes and turtles and sundry other critters. And I would come home every night with some new, you know, quote unquote pet. Uh, at some point we had snakes, you know, crawdads, fish, dogs, cats, rabbits, frogs, toads. We actually had a raccoon and a skunk as res- residents in our veritable menagerie of animals at the Rastock household. So was, it was pretty, pretty chaotic, but fun. And There was one thing, however, early on that I never brought home, and that was insects and spiders. I was actually terrified of spiders and grossed out by insects. One day, I had put on a glove that had been sitting outside for a few days, and there was a cricket in the glove. I vividly, vividly remember this. I remember putting on the glove... And i f- feeling a, a crunch, then a squish of the poor little soul as I put the glove on. I pulled my hand out thinking it was, you know, mud or dirt or a few rocks, only to see what I now know to be hemolymph or insect blood. Shattered exoskeletons, quivering legs and antennae, and it was all gooed on my hand. It was pretty gross. And my heart sank, and I think I fell into my first fit of true despair. It was so fragile, this insect, and how, how could I accidentally have cut its life so short without even meaning to? And so for a few weeks, months, uh, every time I saw a spider or a grasshopper or a cricket would jump, I would feel pangs of anxiety. It really made it hard for me to go into the woods, and that was a place I really loved to be, the place that sang to my soul and felt so right. So I soon realized that the main issue was not so much the insects or the spiders, but that I had never really noticed or paid attention to them. I was more into the relative, what I would say as an entomologist, macrofauna, if you will, frogs and things like that. So I used to walk, before this event, I used to walk through spider webs, not even knowing or caring what they were. And I'd say my age, I was probably four or five years old at this time, maybe six, maybe about my daughter's age is six. And... When I was struck by this thunderbolt of awareness, it really transformed my life. I could hardly navigate the woods. I was frightened to step on an insect with my bare feet. This went on for a while. Then something really truly awoke inside of me. I remember walking into the woods and was stopped in my tracks with a garden spider. You know, one of those really large black and yellow spiders whose leg span was uh, was what seemed to me at this Time, the size of my whole face. And so I froze. It was several inches from my face. It had these spectacular zigzag patterns in the web. I don't know that I was scared, but I was certainly frozen. And I made a solemn vow to myself at that time that I would spend my time really getting to know these critters. And so, in a graded series of steps, I began seeking out these inconspicuous critters, these unseen and underappreciated animals. I told myself that I would get over being worried about them and uh, and I was, could see how much life was going on around me, all around us, all the time. So I eventually conditioned myself to get closer to insects and spiders. I then conditioned myself to touch them and pick them up and handle them and bring them home. Whoops. <laughs> that might have been a line too far for my mom, uh, but she supported the endeavor nevertheless, and I became less interested in frogs and other animals and started to look for things unseen, the insects and spiders and mites and things like that. And this is where my tree stock story really begins. This is the origins for me. And we're going to get into that here in just a second. So as I mentioned earlier, the haven I've described was a woodland that no longer exists, and it was surrounding a golf course at the time. My grandparents lived on this golf course And one day, my grandpa, who was an avid golfer, suggested that I look for golf balls, and he would give me something like 25 cents a ball that I retrieved from the woods. And so I went out into the woods on my foray to find insects and explore and started paying attention to golf balls. I brought back a few with my haul of crawdads and spiders and snakes, and my grandfather, he really did – Praise my efforts in this and so it's pretty cool you know to get that that satisfaction of of you know kind of doing something different and getting compensated for it one day in my search for these critters I heard a flack or a smack over my head and a golfer had flanked a ball into the woods in my direction on accident I can tell it was on accident today because of the obscenities that he flung and there was no way he could see me in the woods so it wasn't on purpose and I was also very good at being quiet and hidden in the woods. So this caught my attention hearing this ball fly through the crown of the trees, knocking off the leaves and breaking the, you know, a few twigs here and there. And so I made my way over to it. I grabbed the ball to return it to him when I heard another smack in the treetops and some more cussing. And I stealthily made my way to that ball as well. So I tossed them both out into the fairway without him seeing me as I didn't have the heart to collect these balls and sell them to my grandfather when I very clearly could see who they belonged to. So the party of golfers, the rest of the party of golfers really wasn't much better. In fact, they were very bad and hit balls in all over the place and into the woods. Some I couldn't even find at a later date. So I decided to watch them for a while and kind of stalk silently alongside them through the woods as they hit more and more golf balls into the woods And they, I mean, they were drunk, but I think they were also just really bad at golfing. And there at the next hole, there was a pond that people had to kind of whack their balls over in order to hit the fairway. There were a few ponds and water futures on, on the golf course, but this one, they had to actually like hit it over the pond. And so I sat and watched as the party of four hit ball after ball into the pond. And this gave me an idea. So I made a mental note to come back to the pond at night to see if there were more balls in there. And I did this night after night and collected a whole lot of golf balls. or tons in there. But that's not really the point of this story. So at this first endeavor, I was running back to my grandparents' house when I tripped over a rotting log. And I fell face first and kind of skid to a halt on my chest in the woods, and the log toppled over and fell apart, exposing its contents, you know, dirt, decaying wood, and all of those things, and I was really usually very swift of foot, so I I was curious and wanted to walk over there to see what I tripped over, and I looked into the decaying wood and saw dozens and dozens of these very large, cream-white larvae wriggling around, and I, I knew not then, but I know now that they were leucanids or stag beetle larvae, and so I was simultaneously grossed out and fascinated So I took my shirt off to make a bag out of it and kind of scooped up all the contents of the log to take it home. And I got home to my grandparents' house looking filthy and unloaded the contents of my shirt into a plastic bin to see what would happen. And so I placed it next to some crawdads and frogs and snakes and then reluctantly consented to take a shower. And so... I was one of those kids, like, if you've ever tried to bathe a dog that doesn't like a bath but kind of tolerates it, that's how I was <laughs> as a kid. So, you know, i get in the sh- in the shower, bath, and black dirt and leaves would just swirl down the drain after playing in the woods. And so, you know, I continued doing this, and it was a great introduction not only to trees but to the world of business and entrepreneurship. So I really would go out there, and I remember the first haul of golf balls from that pond, and it was a lot. It was a lot. And so I think my grandfather wanted to change the pricing stru- structure on that on that. But either way, it was a great opportunity to get out in the woods and, and learn some new things and some different skills. And so this was in terms of my origins and my first real awareness of trees as a space for life. And and I watched those grubs from that decaying log turn into beetles. It was spectacular. I didn't spent more time paying attention to trees. I saw the linkages of life and the unseen, and it was fascinating. It just felt right. So I did that and always had in my mind some sort of decision tree, and it goes something like this. Is what I'm about to do have to do with trees? If so, then I'm going to try to do it. Is what I'm about to do have to do with insects? If so, then I'm going to try to do it. Does what I'm about to do have to do with trees and insects? If so, then pretty much nothing's going to stop me from pursuing that path. And I don't really know why it just sung to me or some sappy stuff like that. I have since done a myriad of things in the trees, and it is here that I want to share my story and the stories of others and how they got linked to the trees. This is our dialogue with trees. This is The Arb League.